Well, let's take our Bibles this morning, whether you're here in person or online, let's take them, let's hold them up, and let's say the words that are up on the screen. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. It is the indestructible, incorruptible, everlasting, living Word of God. I receive it now by faith, and I believe that my life will forever be changed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your Word does have the power to change our lives. And Lord, as I deliver this message that you've placed in my heart today, I thank you, Lord, that it will find a place in every heart that hears this message today. Jesus, you'll help us to embrace it, to live it. And Lord, that we will see the fruit of this in our church and in our community. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in this series right now. Actually, this is our fourth week already in our series, Miracles. And I've said all along that I believe that in this series, God is preparing us as a church, and he's preparing us individually for the miracles he wants to do for us, the miracles he wants to do through us, and the miracles he wants to do all around us. And so let's continue in this series today with a message, and this one's a little bit more personal, that I've simply entitled, Stop Blocking Your Miracle. Now, you may say, Pastor Jane, how many miracles do we really need? Well, just depends. But I promise you, at some point in your life, you're going to need a miracle. And the truth is, most of us, if not all of us, would really acknowledge that, man, being where I am today, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that just the way God has watched over me and, and kept me and provided for me in the midst of my mistakes or the world and the way it is. Really, it's a miracle. Uh, what happened in my family, it's a miracle. Listen, our God is a miracle-working God. And so today I, I want to share how sometimes we stop God or we block Him from doing Miracles, And so let me remind you of a couple of things. Go back to our text. I want to remind you two things about miracles, and then we'll move swiftly into this message today. But Psalm 136, verse 4, it says, Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. We have to honor God above all. We have to acknowledge that he alone does miracles. And we've said it this way. Our God is a miracle-working God. He does great things no one else can do. And we need to thank him for the great things he has done, for the great things he is doing, and for the great things he will do. He is a great God. He alone does mighty miracles. Now, let me just give you, review some of our definitions that we've used for miracles. I just want to review two of them this morning. Miracle is defined as a wonder or a wonderful deed, a miraculous sign, an omen. I like Merriam-Webster's definition. Merriam-Webster de defines miracle as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Wow. General Boykin, some of you may be familiar with him. 
he was a part of the raid when they went in in Iran, I think it was. Anyway, the long story short is he was leading a team on a raid and things didn't go well. They had prayed before they went in and things didn't really go well. And one of the planes that was carrying like, I believe it was 32 soldiers crashed and exploded and there was a great fire and he was already on the ground and he saw it and he thought, wait a minute, Lord, I prayed over this. I, I, I prayed over this operation. And as he was standing there and he was about to walk away, the Holy Spirit said, don't walk away. Believe me. So he stood there and he said, Lord, I believe, I believe it was 32 men. I believe for those 32 soldiers to come out. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, in the midst of those flames, men, these soldiers, they were all men, just started pouring out of that plane. And he said, every one of them lived. Come on. God does miracles. And sometimes we just have to stop and we have to believe him. He could have kept walking. He could have looked at what was around him and said, this is impossible. But how many of you know, God wants to divinely intervene in the course of human affairs and do wonderful things. And so let's let God do wonderful things. Now, also we learn this, and that is the purpose of miracles. Acts 2.22, and we keep this in mind. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. Here's what we've learned. The purpose of miracles is to point people to Jesus. I, I've said it before each week. I believe we're coming into a season where there's going to be an abundance of miracles because there's going to be an influx of people coming into the kingdom of God. When those miracles are on the increase, we need to remember not to go after the miracle. We need to remember the purpose of those miracles is to point people to Jesus. Listen. We don't just need a miracle. We need a Savior. We don't just need a miracle. We need a Savior. He's the one who does the miracles. Now, let's get into this message today. And first, I just want us to acknowledge mentally from our hearts that miracles do happen. A little boy was brought to Jesus and, and the father and the father brought the little boy to Jesus for Jesus to heal him. And the father said, if you can, please heal my son. And in John, or in Mark, chapter 9, verse 30, I'll get it right. Mark 9, 23. Mark 9, 23, Jesus responds to the father, and he says this, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. Wow. Miracles are possible. That father needed a miracle for that son that day. And Jesus told him, it is possible. Mm. Believing makes miracles possible. We could say it this way. Miracles do happen. And they happen for people who believe. Mm-hmm. Miracles do happen, and they happen for people who believe. So we need to believe. Now, last week, 
uh, we talked about unbelief. And really, we talked about how to crush unbelief, how to overcome unbelief. And we do that by exercising our faith in worship, in prayer, and in obedience. And we do those things even in the midst of great trials. That is the exercising of our faith, pushing back and overcoming unbelief. But today, I want to talk about what it really means to believe. And how do we, we're, we're called believers Why do we sometimes struggle with believing? Because if we don't believe, we're going to block our miracle. Well, let me give you the definition of this word believe or believes. It's really the word faith. It means to have confidence in, to give credit to, have a mental persuasion. Well, so when we believe... We have confidence in God and who he is and his ability. We have confidence in the name of Jesus that if we pray using his name, come on, this is what it means to believe. We're persuaded. We have renewed our thoughts to think a certain way about what our God can and will do. Mm, That's what it means to believe. This word believe comes from a Greek word, patheo, which means to persuade. And also it means, listen, to be free from fear or doubt. Oh, there's the block. There's the block. That's how we block our miracle. Our miracles are blocked because of fear, because of doubt. Now, all of us, have struggled at times with fear. All of us have wrestled with doubt. Fear and doubt are in this word. And if we're going to receive miracles, if, we're, if, if God's going to be allowed in our life to divinely intervene, we're going to have to overcome the fear and the doubt. Because not, they're going to block them. And the way we often block The way we stop God is we allow fear, we allow doubt to persist. Fear and doubt block our miracles. They are the source of our unbelief. Last week we said push back on unbelief. Really, what's the source of the unbelief? Why aren't you believing? Because you're afraid. Because you're full of doubt. You're not sure God will for you. I don't think, you know, it's, it would be challenging to think that a person would have a relationship with God through Christ and not believe that God had certain power, right? You, you believe God's able, but where we have the fear or the doubt is we're afraid he won't do it for me. We doubt that we're worthy of him doing, that fear and that doubt, Wow. So if we find the source of fear and doubt, we can remove the blocks. Wow. How do we do that? I want to take you to a passage in the New Testament. And actually, I'm going to read it from two different translations. It's a simple passage, a short one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Here's what it says. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we live by believing, not by seeing. Mm. The 
Easy Reader's Version puts it this way. We live by what we believe will happen, not by what we can see. We believe by what we, or we live by what we believe will happen, not just by what we can see. It's what we can see that produces the fear and the doubt. Mm. We're in the middle of football season. You know, you're probably enjoying your favorite college team or your favorite NFL team. And here's, I, I'm, I, I watch football, but I don't know that much about it. My husband sometimes tells me things when I say something wrong or whatever. But I do know this. I do know that you can be a good football team because you have a really good offense, but your defense isn't that great. You can be a really good football team if your defense is really good, but your offense isn't that great. But the great teams, the really great teams, they have a great offense and a great defense. Come on. They have both. That's what makes them great. Well, great Christians, good Christians have some good offense, but their defense... Great Christians have a good offensive plan, and they have a good defensive plan. You say, Pastor Jane, what are you talking about? Let me put it this way. Going back to this scripture, here's your offense. We live by what we believe. That's your offense. It's a positive. You're, you're out there. And then the defense, we block fear and doubt by refusing to focus on what we see. Come on. No team is going to make a touchdown without somebody blocking those people that are trying to tackle the guy with the ball. Listen, you're the person with the ball. People are coming after you. Fear and doubt are going to come after you when you try to live by what you believe. Now, when I'm saying you're living by what you believe, you're believing the Bible. You're believing the promises that God has made you. You're believing that you can have peace even in a chaotic world. You believe that God will heal your body. You believe he will save your family no matter what it looks like you're gonna respond like a believer well to do that to reach the goal line to run you're gonna have to have some blockers out there blocking the fear and doubt listen there's no team that gets on the field without a good defensive plan you got to know fear and doubt are gonna come after you defend your faith when the fear and the doubt come, don't let them block your miracle. Don't deny God an opportunity to work on your behalf. Hmm. And can I tell you this? You're going to need help. You, you can't block all the fear and all the doubt. There's some good quarterbacks that can scramble, get around people and make some yardage but if they're going to consistently score they need some people on their team I tell you this folks you need some people on your team you need some people that are helping to block your fear and doubt you need to get in a small group here at Faith Life Church right now we've got for ladies and men we've got Joyful and Ironman going on on Monday night we have set those two groups up so that you can join 
any Monday night. You can come out any Monday night through the end of October and be a part of the ladies, be a part of the men's. They meet right here at the church. Because you know what? One of those folks might just help you block some fear. They'll tackle it for you. And all of a sudden you leave there, and all of a sudden you're like this. Why? Because you have people that blocked tackled that fear for you helped you get rid of that doubt we, you need to be here on Sunday you're here oh good <laughs> come again you're listening good you need to be here because you need those around you because you cannot on your own tackle all fear and all doubt we need each other we are the body of Christ Come on, a good defensive plan is a good church, good godly friends, good people around you. Now, you're going to need a good offense too. Say, Pastor Jane wants a good offense. Talk with the coach often. Get out the playbook. Run the plays. Those quarterbacks, they study that playbook. You need to study the playbook. You need to build your faith. We're talking about stop blocking your miracle. It's the fear and the doubt that block the miracle. And you're letting fear and doubt in when you are not on the offense already. Getting up, reading your Bible, praying, talking to God through the day. Listen, listen get, uh, let me just make sure you understand this. Don't let Sister Susie who is a prayer warrior, or Brother Joe, who spends hours in prayer, make you feel like five or ten minutes of prayer isn't worth anything. God can hear. If you're heartfelt and you're using your time wisely and you're just starting out, talk to God. Talk to Him in the car. Talk to Him in the shower. The Bible says pray without ceasing, not just 30 minutes in the morning. Take time to look over the book. Open the playbook. Mm. Come on, getting ready for a miracle? Let me just say this. Seeing is not the same as believing. Every good offense knows this. I'm talking about spiritual offense. And believing, or, or, or that's every good defense knows that, that seeing is not believing. And believing will result in you seeing a miracle. And every good offense knows that. That's why they get on the field and run the plays in the playbook. Because they know that if they believe, they will eventually see a miracle. Hmm. Some of you are like the football player who gets out and, you know, you caught the ball and God did something wonderful in your life you got a promise the ball's like the promise and you're at church and you caught that ball you got this and then you go home and you're running toward the touchdown to see the promise fulfilled and fear and doubt come after you and you go throw the ball down and go to the sidelines and quit what's with that tackle them call the church get a friend pray don't stop running just because fear and doubt show up Wow. Let's keep going here. Next thing we need to do comes to believing. We need to choose our focus. We keep talking about this 
We, walk, we live by believing, not by seeing. 2 Corinthians 4.18 puts it this way. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Now listen to your pastor. If you want a miracle... You can't keep looking at the trouble. If you want a miracle, stop blocking your miracle. If you want a miracle, you can't keep looking at the trouble. You know the trouble's there. You saw it. But why do you keep looking? Let's be honest. It's hard not to look. It's hard not to look. On the highway... When there's a wreck, come on, gawkers everywhere. You're wondering what the slowdown is, and you're thinking, wow, you don't see anything on your lane up ahead. And then you get up there, and the accident is clear on the other side of the street. But what are people doing? Slowing down to look. Everybody wants to see the wreck. Folks, the enemy always wants us to look at our circumstance. He always wants us to consider what's going on. And not just consider it, but consider it again and again and again. To think about it again and again and again. Come on. You can't keep looking at the trouble. Stop blocking your miracle. You are denying God the opportunity to be God. You closed the door on him. So what do we do? He told us we don't look at our troubles. We can see now, but we fix our gaze. Say, I'm in charge. Come on, say it. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. You're in charge. You're in charge of your thoughts you're in charge of where you fix your eyes you're, you're in charge everybody likes to be in charge listen be in charge of yourself before you try to take charge over anybody else sometimes God tells me that hey, you, 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 want, you want Jeff to do that well you do it first if you want Jeff to change why don't you change over there well I'm just going to keep praying for him he'll change in time come on Wow. We got to understand too when it comes to not looking at the trouble. We got to understand the difference between the natural and the supernatural. We live in a very natural world. That's where the trouble comes from. But miracles are supernatural. God created this natural world, folks. He created the laws that operate this natural world. That's why the sun rises every morning, the sun sets every night, the moon shines at night. God created order in this world, and there are some things that are very predictable, the natural. But sometimes we get so caught up in the natural that we forget about the supernatural. And those of us who, is, who have accepted Christ as our Savior can now 
access or have at our access the supernatural. We need to put a little super on the natural because the natural not looking so good. So we need a little super on the natural. Well, you can't be all wrapped up in the natural, talking about it, telling folk about it, saying how bad it is, and then expect to have God super on your natural. You know, when they first came out with these large drinks and everything and larger meals at the drive up they would you know advertisements came on and what did they tell you you want to supersize that you want to supersize that drink you want to supersize that meal well listen God's saying I would like to supersize what I'm doing in your life you need to quit just being so naturally minded Yes, God's saying, I created those natural laws, but I created them, and I can supersede them. I can override them, and I'll do it for you. I'll divinely intervene in the natural course of affairs for your sake. But he does it for those who believe him. Mm. Fear and unbelief are the result of us focusing on the natural, getting all caught up in what is. What is focusing on the natural literally blocks the supernatural. Miracles are supernatural. It's temporal versus eternal. The things we see, oh, this is good. All right, you ready? Listen up. That trouble you're seeing, whatever it is, however you describe it, it's temporal. That means it's subject to change. One time I was a little disappointed thinking about something that I was believing God for. And I was getting a little disappointed and I felt like the Lord said to me, why would you be disappointed about something that's about to change? Because I was looking at it, staring. Listen, there's been times I just got stuck on stupid And I wasn't thinking about God, and I was just looking at that and looking at it and looking at it. Forgot about the greatness of God. I needed to get over in the supernatural. I needed to stop blocking God from doing the miracle that he wants to do. Listen, yes, we can see the trouble, but we focus on the eternal. We believe miracles are possible focus on the eternal focus on the eternal word of God and the truth is maybe it isn't even the devil blocking our miracle but it's us our focus well that's good that's good news because I'm not in charge of the devil but I'm in charge of me come on I can change my focus the truth is the devil's already been defeated but I need through the power of God's word and through the, the help of the Holy Spirit, I need to defeat him in my life. And one of the ways that I defeat him is I change my view. I, I want you to ask yourself this morning, what's blocking your view? Just, just right now, just inside, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Lord, is there something blocking my view right now? I, I can't see the miracle. I can't see the answer to that. I, I can't see what you want to do, that miracle. Is there something blocking my... Is there some trouble, some problem? Mm. 
and then say, Lord, I, I want to change my view. So sometimes when Jeff and I have gone on vacation and, you know, going to the mountains or going to the beach, we make sure we get a place with a good view. There's times that we were staying maybe just for a little while at a hotel and, and we got in the room and it was not a good view. Well, we didn't just stay there. We got an upgrade. Why, why are you, if you don't like the view, if you don't like the way things are looking, get an upgrade. Go to the Word of God. Change your view. Open the book. Pay for the upgrade. How do you pay for a spiritual upgrade? Pray. Turn off the TV. Spend some time meditating on the Word. Do a little praise party and thank God for your miracle. Come on, get an upgrade. Change what you're looking at. And your mind, your eyesight, the natural may have got you engulfed right now to the place. And it's going to take you a while to get your view all the way to the other side. But the Holy Spirit will help you. God will help you. Just begin to make a move. Get an upgrade. Change your view. A miracle mindset. I want to take you to a woman that certainly she could have gotten stuck where she was. Absolutely. Her view from a natural perspective was not good. Say not good. It wasn't good. But she had a miracle mindset. I'm going to tell you her story. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1. I'm going to read verse 1 first. It says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Anybody think she might have a problem on her hands? I, I mean, if you think, uh, it's still common today, we'll just use that, still common today in a marriage situation that a husband, the man might be a great, have a greater role in a provider, but certainly today it's also more prevalent that the woman also has pretty good bringing, pretty good provision in the home. But back then, uh-uh. Now, kind of the breadwinner, this husband is gone, and the creditors are coming to take her sons away, and that's how you paid off your debt back then. They took your kids or whoever you had and made them work like a debtor's prison. Man, you talk about getting wrapped up in our feelings. That's what happens when we look at things and we look at the natural and it blocks our miracles, is that our feelings, feelings... Oh, my life of... No, I'm not going to sing that. But come on. Am I right? And all of a sudden, those feelings come up. And she could have been just sitting at home crying and telling the local ladies group. No, what did she do? She went to the prophet. Come on. She went to God. She went to church. She went and got her an answer. God can intervene when we refuse to live by sight alone and she refused to live by just what she saw what she saw was not good didn't look like she had much of a future but she refused and she gave God an opportunity to work listen to what happened 2 Kings 
4.2, it says, uh, the prophet said, what can I do to help you? Elijah asked, tell me what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flax of olive oil, she replied. And Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Wow. She didn't block this. You see, she could have blocked. You know fear had to be at her doorsteps. You know doubt had to be there saying, what can you do? But she just went and asked. Maybe you just need to pray and say, God, what can I do in this situation? God, what's a step of faith that I could take? Believing always has corresponding action. That's how you know you're believing. We live by what we believe, not by sight. When we believe what we cannot see, we are ready to receive our miracle. There was a town that they were farming town and they were praying for rain. They'd been in a drought. And one of the local ministers called everybody together in the square where they often met to pray and, and uh, to have town meetings. And they say, bring your Bibles, you know, Catholics, Protestants, everybody come together. Catholics, bring your rosaries. You know, Protestants, bring your Bibles. Let's bring your crosses. Let's come together. Let's ask God for rain. So the whole town got together. All these ministers got together and they asked God for rain. Still weeks later, no rain. One day a pastor's walking through the town square and he sees this little boy heading to the town square. And for some reason, he just felt led to watch him and, and he went over there because the little boy had his Bible with him. The little boy went in there where they had knelt down a couple of weeks ago. And so the pastor got a little closer and he heard him praying. The little boy was praying for rain. He thought, well, now this is just wonderful. And he walked away from the little boy and a few minutes later, it started downpouring. Rain. Pastor started walking back toward that little boy, and as he's walking back, he said, God, why is it that you answered this little boy's prayer and you didn't answer our prayer? And he said, That little boy brought his umbrella. <laughs> Come on. You going to ask God for something? Then don't go worry. And don't go call your mom. Don't go call your friends. Don't go acting sad. And Come on, get your umbrella. You prayed for that. Believing opens the door to the supernatural, makes miracles possible. I, I got to close. I don't have time to get into this whole story here, but I just want to touch on something from this account that has to do with this message today and, and wrap this up. But I, I want to talk for just a moment. I want to wind this up that believing is seeing. But you're going to need Jesus' help. You can't do a miracle. It's not all your faith. It's not all your believing. You're going to have to have Jesus. You have to keep your eyes on him. And that's what happened at the raising of Lazarus. 
Listen to what Jesus said to Martha. John eleven thirty nine. Jesus said, roll the stone aside. Jesus told them, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you would believe? Hmm. Roll the stone. He may be telling you today to roll the stone. And you know what? Here was Martha teaching biology to the Creator. <laughs> logic. Don't let your logic get in the way of your miracle. Don't let your logic keep you from obeying what God told you to do. I can't give that, God. We won't roll the stone. Change your focus. Remove the fear. Then I love it because Jesus said, didn't I tell you? We all need reminders. Didn't, didn't I tell you? Did, didn't you read that promise? Didn't you hear that at church? Did, come, come on. This is your reminder. Remember what God said. Remember the promise he made to you. He says, if you believe, didn't I tell you, you'd see God's glory. You know what God's glory is? It's God advertising himself. It's God doing a miracle. Miracles are God on display. They are God advertising himself. Come on. When we believe, we are allowing God to display himself in our lives. Never allow what you can see keep you from receiving your miracle. The truth is, Martha didn't stop Jesus. She told the people, roll the stone. And she just stood back and watched Jesus. Sometimes we need to do what Jesus said and then just stand back and let him work. Come on! Come on, then when he calls Lazarus out, then he might tell us to unwrap him. But you know why? Because he wants us to get to be a part of the miracle. And listen, let me just say this and we'll stop. Stop blocking your miracle. Believe and see the glory of God. Did you get something out of that this morning? I pray that you did.